Well, it's no secret, even though he is uh, too humble to actually want a theme song, that that is the uh, song that plays before the appearance on JMDM of the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, and that is, of course, Rabbi Josh Yoshua Fass, who is with us live via telephone. Not easy to get him on the phone, folks. Trust me. He is one of the busiest people, as you can imagine. When you are a Jewish hero... And when you are one of the most important figures in 21st century history, then I can tell you it is not easy getting someone like that on the phone. Rabbi Fass, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum, even though the accolades are not really received well, but it's okay. <laughs> How are you? That's it's been part, too long. That's, that's part of what makes it fun, is we know how, much you don't, know. is how much you don't enjoy those, as accurate as they are, frankly. Yes, and it has been too long, and I'm glad you're back. And now we get to look back at the year 2020, one of the strangest years in the rich history of Nefesh Benefesh, <clears throat> and certainly one of the strangest years in, in uh, both world and Jewish history, that's for sure. And I hope you're looking back at 2020 with, uh, with positivity and with fondness, Rabbi Fass. I hope that it didn't get you down, the fact that the world was and continues to be, it seems, locked down. By the way, that, that is happening in Israel, right? You're actually going into another massive lockdown in the next 48 hours, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow afternoon, yep. Next two weeks at least. Unbelievable. So even We're when... Grabbing our files and... Even when, even when a million-plus vaccines have already been distributed, at least the first dose, nonetheless, and I'm, I'm being serious about this, nonetheless, the authorities feel it's necessary to lock down, even though the, the, the vaccine uh, distribution is going really, really well uh, when it comes to how Israel's handling it. I guess one has nothing so to do with it. So you want to look back at 2020? I guess one thing... Going back to that. I guess one thing has nothing to do with the other, huh? I hope. Listen, uh, we we haven't gotten our second vaccines yet, so we're still yeah, still right. vulnerable, and many individuals, millions, have not gotten their first vaccine, and the spread of the virus now is is accelerating. So there has to be. I mean, I was surprised that two weeks ago we didn't go into a full segue or full closure. Unbelievable. But we'll see what the next two weeks. Hopefully, will will bring us. We'll continue to vaccinate the first round of those who got the first will get their second. But um, we're weeks or a couple of months away from from having a majority of Israeli citizens vaccinated, which is remarkable. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I just, I mean, from this vantage point, it felt like such a setback with everything that Israel's been accomplishing over the last couple of weeks. And frankly, you know, people like myself want to get to Israel as soon as possible, and we're under the impression that as soon as Israel opens up it, with a combination of vaccine and testing, they will start allowing people in. So. It's sort of that feeling where, you know, and I'm sure you felt this a lot more than us, obviously, because you're there, uh, but it's sort of that feeling where you think it's, you know, finally, you know, the home stretch, finally the light at the end of the tunnel, and then you're hit uh, with the news of this week that there's going to be a complete lockdown. So I just, everyone, I guess... Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a waltz that I think everyone accepts. No one no one assumed that this trajectory growth would without have any setbacks or at least uh, one step back, two steps forward. So it's, it's okay. I don't think there's such protest this time around, especially with the vaccines starting rolling out to different communities. Right. Understood. Uh, well, we look back at 2020 in terms of North American Jews moving to Israel, I guess, with a, uh, a positive uh, look, a positive um, uh, perspective, because it seems that uh, even with the pandemic and the craziness of this year, you were still able to bring thousands of Jews 
from North America to Israel. Mazal tov on that accomplishment, Rabbi Fass. Thank you so much. Um, I don't think the Mazal Tov comes to us, or we deserve it. I think the numbers reflect the tenacity and the persistence, the devotion of the Olim. You have to take everything into context. They made Aliyah regardless of quarantines, airlines down, borders closed, Washington and consulates shuttered, landing and going straight to quarantine, kidding, putting their kids into school, but the schools are on Zoom. Their shipments are coming and the ports and movers are understaffed because many of them are either sick or at home in quarantine. And to think that close to 3,200 North Americans made Aliyah during this year speaks volumes, volumes of that palpable connection, that visceral connection that every Jew has to return to their homeland. And it's incredible. It also speaks volumes of just all the cooperation of all the agencies. I can attest how the staff, our staff, and the staff of the Jewish agency, staff Misrata Pim, worked around the clock, um, not taking no for an answer and helping facilitate in a very, very difficult time, in a very challenging time, the Aliyah of thousands. It also required us to pivot. We didn't have all of our charter flights or Bonetzion or mega events. Uh, made us pivot everything digitally. And that was, it's hard. It was successful because I, I think we were able to reach more people in different locations where we normally do not have that connection and engagement. But it's very hard because the Aliyah move is very personal. And uh, there's a difference between sitting across from a person in their living room than doing a Zoom or a webinar. Yeah. So uh, I hope what we can go back to normal soon. I think we learned a lot, a lot of lessons this year of how we can do more with less and uh, and maybe go back to both a dual personal engagement and more of this mass engagement online. And uh, we miss it. We miss it. I haven't been to the airports in, in eight, nine months. Speaking of airports, by the way, one of the challenges I know that you had and your organization had was, was simply with all the things you mentioned, and there were so many aspects that were so different, and again, kudos to all the old limb as you pointed out, but uh, you had to you had to figure out flights. You know, the majority of airplanes on this globe were grounded, especially at the height of the pandemic or, or, the, or where the initial panic went out. And just to get flights, and I'm not even talking about charter flights, I'm talking about just flights that are actually going on a regular basis. And, and often those planes are needed for other purposes when there's a pandemic going on. So just that logistically was very tough. Am I right about that? Oh, it was stressful. I mean, listen to my voice. <laughs> this year it has taken its toll. <laughs> so we're owing that to that to that area. <laughs> of, yep. Is that good? Good excuse. <laughs> that that area of negotiation <laughs> it causes laryngitis, it seems. Also, one of the things that's pretty amazing about this past year is that as you said, the total Olim are thirty two hundred, but many would think that a specific category would dominate, especially one might think that retirees, right, especially those who have children and grandchildren in Israel, and they're desperate to see those children and grandchildren, so that that um, uh, category would dominate. Or one might say the singles, because this is a good time for them to pivot and start their lives anew in the Holy Land, that they would dominate. But it seems to me, and I don't know exactly how it compares to other years, you might be able to tell us that, but 
it seems to me that every category, the families, the retirees, the singles, the lone soldiers, every category was well represented in 2020. You're absolutely correct. And we're also seeing that same distribution of interest within the application interest as well. And the increase of the applications are showing that within each of the specific denomination or um, demographic, we're seeing that spike. And it's not just relegated to one specific demography. Let me, I got to read this statistic. Everybody out there, I hope you're paying attention to this conversation, but if you're not, wake up for a moment. You must hear this. You must hear this. In 2019, remember that year, 2019, the last normal year we all enjoyed? There were requests for Aliyah that were received by Nefesh Benefesh from 4,582 people. 4,582. In um, in 2020, that number of Aliyah requests received by Nefesh Benefesh, 14,022. That is an astounding 206% growth. And I guess, and, that, is, and I guess that really tells... It's still climbing. It's still climbing. Well, one second. And we're still getting applications. That's applications. Many applications, or most of them, were in 2020 for 2021. And in any year, we received thousands of applications within that year itself. No, but one second. Um, one the second. normal conversion, hold on, the normal conversion rate is around 45, 49% of applica- applicants to their actual Aliyah. So just with this pool of applications of individuals who are interested in making Aliyah, we're talking about threefold if the same conversion rate is is applied to next year. But when you joined us for one of the most significant conversations we've ever had, which was the first time we spoke during the pandemic, and you described how the phones were ringing and how the applications were coming in via the web, etc. I mean, we, we talked about the that initial, you know, a burst that had come forth after corona started. You can't tell me that now in January of 2021 you're at the same level of interest that you were, for instance, in, in May or June of last year, or in fact... No, it plateaued around November, December. That's at a, a higher rate than previous years, but this application on steroids really um, lasted for several months, but stopped in November. And and December started to look like a regular December? With a, with a specific interest increase, but uh, not like last year, but not like what we saw in the, in the heights of the, the summer month. Rabbi Yoshua Fass, co-founder and executive director of Nefesh Benefesh, is with us live via telephone. We are celebrating 2020. Yes, folks. Remember a few minutes ago I was talking about positive images for 2020, the kind that we're asking you to send in so we can include them in our kosher halftime show. Nefesh Benefesh has about a million of those. People landing in Israel may not be with the same a type of greeting that they normally would get may not be with the same type of celebration that normally would take place, but people landing in Israel, enjoying the Holy Land, and even <laughs> and even starting their lives in Israel in quarantine, which is pretty amazing, frankly. Uh, what about the, you know, we always talk about the different professions that people are going into. Has that been basically the same percentage? I mean, I know you have a lot of doctors and, and people involved in high tech, etc. Did any one category dominate uh, unusually? Uh, during 2020, or basically the same no, type of breakdown? it really mirrored. We, we had a little bit of a boost of, of the medical professionals, but uh, it really mirrors every single year of the, the normal breakdown of, and of that's, the professions that move. And you think that has something to do with, with COVID-19, or, or it's just a coincidence that there's a, a bump in the physicians? I'm and- not sure. 
I'm not sure. I, I can't ignore the context of any of these applications and the interest. Um, I think a lot of individuals involved in the medical world, the medical profession, have uh, evaluated or reassessed um, where they, how they're moving forward. I think this has been an eye-opener for many individuals to, to give medical care and to be a practitioner within a pandemic. I know many individuals that I've been speaking with, and this has been uh, a hell of a year. It made them really assess what they, uh, how they move forward. Interesting. So maybe it had, maybe it, maybe it translated a bit in the the boost of applications where the individuals who are in the medical professional made Aliyah in two thousand and twenty. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that some people who are on the fence about what what to go into have looked at the medical profession uh, a little bit more seriously after seeing what went on. It's really interesting. It's funny how circumstances really dictate uh, the, the direction that people choose. Um, so everybody out there, and, th- and then there was one other statistic that I found, by the way, in um, uh, in regard to Nefesh Benefesh. Apparently you had over 15,000 participants who were part of these Aliyah informational events. Now, obviously, Aliyah informational events were used to the ones that happen in person, but now they went online, and all of a sudden there is a 682% increase in those who are participating yeah. in informational events. No, it, it was insane. We, we pivoted <laughs> to do all of our events on social media. We had 113 events, and we had over 15,000 people who attended. We had double that who registered. And we had people from, I think, 40 to 50 countries around the world I mean, it was hysterical to see who was logging in <laughs> to watch a webinar of Anna Galia. Unbelievable. You know, it's funny. Said, no, that was one of the blessings in that pivot. We, we, we were able to engage so many more people in so many different regions that uh, we can't abandon when we go back, hopefully post-corona, soon. Were any of those people from places outside of North America? I'm talking 48 countries. Well, then you have to expand the reach of Nefesh Benefesh. You can no longer be exclusive for North America. You have to be an advisory That group. is a next conversation, a next radio show interview. When I actually have my voice back, we can talk about that. Exciting it, stuff. Because it's funny, because you've considered it in the past, but now this may have made you jump into the pool, so to speak, of helping people in every country on Earth get to Israel. You know, I... We, I, we, we, just, we, just, had a, we just had a meeting. I'm sorry for cutting off. We just had a meeting yesterday with a certain region um, of Olim from uh, different countries not in the North American sphere, and asking for our help, asking to to join just the umbrella of our services and use our infrastructure to be able to help build. And it's very hard to say no. And we're building, we're almost, in the next few months, we're going to be opening, hopefully, please God, our new center, our headquarters in Shalayim. And uh, we have the room, and we also have the interest and desire to help Olim from other countries, especially in Yushalayim and Jerusalem area. So that will be our foray into, into helping other Olim integrate successfully into the country that might not have come from the countries that we historically served. Isn't it funny how God works? All of a sudden, He grants you your wish for some additional space, a little room to breathe. And he says, yeah, if you want this space, you're going to have to deal with a lot more people from a lot of other places on this globe. <laughs> Isn't God funny, Rabbi Fass? <laughs> no comment on the funny. But, uh, 
Uh, if you open your eyes wide enough, you can see God's divine finger and um, many things around you. Yeah, at least we could say life is funny. That everybody would agree with. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of life being funny, you offered some really important um, analysis during the summer. Yeah, a long time ago, half a year ago, uh, about why people were making Aliyah during 2020. We discussed the whole. Uh, between combination of Zoom and realizing that they could, uh, you know, be in touch with relatives on a regular basis through FaceTime, etc., and a whole bunch of other things we've talked about. I'm wondering, especially in light of the fact of what happened last night in Georgia, I'm wondering if you think the political atmosphere in the U.S., um, it, one that really, if you think about it, uh, compared to other uh, times in the 20th century, in the United States, you'd have to go far back into the early part of the 20th century to find a time that uh, that one would really call, you know, one of discomfort, uncomfortable um, for Jews and really, you know, in some ways, all observant people. Do you think that the current political situation in the U.S. has anything to do with the spike in Aliyah over the last few months? I think it's been an ingredient. I'm not sure it's a sole ingredient. I think it's um, maybe accelerant, an accelerant for some. Um, I have contacts in the State Department in the U.S., and over the last several months we've been discussing the political societal kind of implications on Aliyah. And the question is, what would happen if Trump would be reelected? What would happen if Biden was reelected? It's very interesting to hear their analysis of whether or not that would be a motivation for a spike in Aliyah. Um, if Trump would, would have won, sorry, no, it's not the 6th of January, but if Trump would have had a one, would have won, then there might have been uh, more of the riots that we saw a few months ago right. that would have caused a, a real uneasiness um, for many, and they might have accelerated their application process or think anew of where they want to live. Um, and their analysis is that if Biden won, um, that there will be such a change within the culture, also taxes, there will be almost a slow bleed, um, an impact that would not be um, proximal, but would take over a few months for individuals to realize a sense of uneasiness and want to come. But it's, I think it's just one ingredient in, in, a, in, in a real puzzle, a collage of reasons why people make Aliyah. I don't think it's healthy to run. Um, thank God we still have Aliyah of choice from North America, and it may be that um, forever, but uh, but I don't think it should be or is the sole motivational factor for people making Aliyah. But it's addressed, and people share it as being one component in their decision-making process. Understood. Rabbi Fast, before I let you go... Uh, Nefesh Benefesh has announced that Camp Nefesh Benefesh is opening for the summer of 2021. It will start on August the 8th. Could you tell us why Nefesh Benefesh is getting into the camping business? I always wanted to drive a golf cart. I was jealous of all those head of camps that had golf carts. Now, the real reason, that's one, it's, it's the truth. <laughs> My kids make fun of me all the time. Um, and if you ask Avi Levine, one of the logos is a, can, is a, is a golf cart with a never symbol on it. But all seriousness, every year we see and we've noticed how challenging it is for parents and children during that first month of their Aliyah. 
Parents are running around, and they're securing, arranging all the basic first steps of Aliyah on setting up their home, registering for school, getting appliance, getting the shipments. And at the same time, they're trying to engage their kids during their first month. Right. Uh, trying to give some fun or maybe there are inspirational moments just to have them connect to, to the land. So in an effort for years, we always wanted to do this, an effort to make it easier for parents to help them able to set up and not feel that they're torn or tethered to their house, and to give the kids a sense of fun and belonging and meet other kids and take them on a limb and let them start learning the language, the slang and songs. So we decided to create a camp. So we're opening it up. This in Yushalayim. We're going to have uh, we have tenders from around the you know from around the area, the Chemish Modiin, um, Gusht, so that's people transportation for people to come in, kids to come in, and obviously Jerusalem kids. We're opening up for 150, and uh, we're going to open it up mainly for those who are arriving this summer. And we just decided in the last couple of days to open up also to kids who came in 2020. Right. And because uh, they were they were really deprived of a year of, of integration and school yeah. and uh, connecting to the land. I'm also, I, we, we believe that this is, this is something that we wanted to do in a long time and already that we know that it will be successful, please, Don. And I'm already negotiating with different municipalities for land so that in a few years from now we can build a, a proper large campus for a camp that we can have five, six, seven hundred kids and open it up to other grades. So this is a pilot. I hope it goes well um, because uh, I really would love to see this come true. What, uh, I think it's a huge service to family. What campus will you utilize for this summer? This summer there's a campus called the Nartioni. Um, uh, there are these, all these hidden treasures within Jerusalem that uh, are these campuses that schools and colleges and high schools use. So we uh, rented it for the summer. I'll use it for the next couple until we find our permanent place. Right. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, every person that we share this idea with, they're like, what took you so long? Well, and uh, we got Jake B. Blansky from Oshava right. to be uh, the head of this camp. We're really, really excited. Well, uh, one thing I've learned from this conversation is that um, uh, you're predicting that things will be back to normal the latest August the 8th, because <laughs> it seems if the, if the summer camp is supposed to start on August 8th, you have full confidence that Israel will be able to, uh, you know, allow regular transportation, regular activities, and uh, like I said, you know, life will be back to normal, please God. I, ha- I have to hope yeah. and plan there's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel. We're also negotiating with a lot of the charter flights this summer. So uh, obviously, for both projects, for all projects, the caveat is, God forbid, we can't be together publicly. Yeah, but come but, on. Uh, if we're if we hit that herd immunity, then we'll be able to uh, start going back to life. I mean, it, which, you, you I, I mean, in your heart of hearts, I hope you believe that once we get to Pesach time, things will really. Normalcy will accelerate. I hope you really do believe that. And that's what I'm banking on, frankly. No, I see it. I see it in my own family. The acceleration of how many people are getting the vaccine. Right. Uh, It's my siblings, some of my kids. It's it's remarkable. So hopefully that will continue to be uh, distributed at at an amazing pace and it'll get us to the life we're all looking to have. 
Uh, Rabbi Fast Mazal Tov, what a 2020. Amazing, incredible. Nefesh Benefesh at a time where people might have thought, I don't know, you know, the organization wouldn't make any progress when it comes to Aliyah because of this pandemic. And, of course, just the opposite happens. Every time the naysay, I don't know who they are, these naysayers, but every time they rear their ugly head and offer their opinion, Nefesh Benefesh is right there to prove them wrong. I don't know how that happens every time, Rabbi Fass. You know me. I'm Mr. Positive. I'm always on your side. I'm always, <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm it's always, my model of the naysayers. <laughs> Special model. Uh, anyway, thank God it worked out really well, and uh, it all continues, and we're encouraging everybody out there. Now is the time, now is always the time, uh, to contact Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-4-ALIYAH, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. Rabbi Fass, um, I look forward to uh, seeing you. Please, God in Jerusalem very, very soon. That's all I could say, because it has been way too long that I'm disconnected from the Holy Land. It is a dream. I cannot wait. We, it's been too long that we've been in the room together. Yeah. And I apologize to you and to all the listeners for my voice. I don't know what happened a couple of days ago. I lost it. But uh, hopefully the message came across. It's a sign of leadership, Rabbi Fass. When one is out there advocating for the Jewish people, it is a sign of leadership that they have exhausted all of their strength, all of their energy, when in fact their voice uh, can, uh, starts to suffer. So trust me, it's only a sign That's of a your... beautiful spin. Yeah. Beautiful spin. Oh, trust I thought it was a commercial for a call but okay. <laughs> I could have done that actually as well. Rabbi Yeshua Fass is the co-founder and executive director of Nefesh Benefesh. And he's amazing and he is a Jewish hero. And he is one of the most important people in 21st century Jewish history. And um, he is not in front of me for me to see the rolling of his eyes as I say that. Ah, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, the NachumSingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app.
in the AM. Comeback is right. That's the uh, that's the amazing Moshav band. It's one of the songs that we are always playing <laughs> when we when we are uh, on the flight with Nefesh Benefesh heading to the Holy Land with many many olim, hundreds and hundreds of olim. That's the song that we're generally playing. Pretty amazing. 